Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about a free three-act worksheet to help you structure your story. Whether you're a plotter or a pantser, a novelist or short fiction writer, this three-act worksheet will help you navigate your material and even begin each new story with a better plan. Download yours at nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. Stop getting stuck in the middle of your draft. Go grab this free worksheet, nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. How can you create conflict without it being a fight, disagreement, or a showdown? Well, conflict can be external and internal. So think about how your characters dance around the meaning of what they say rather than say what they mean. Writer Unleashed is for you, a writer who has a story you want to bring onto the page and into the hearts and minds of readers. I'm Nancy Pinuccio, writer, editor, and writing coach. And each week, we'll explore techniques, mindsets, and inspiration for writing stories readers can't put down. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. How do you write dialogue that doesn't feel artificial, cliche, or boring? How do you use dialogue to create character depth, subtlety, and originality? Conversation that's not over-the-top dramatic or overly direct, and yet absolutely riveting. In today's episode, we'll go over three questions to guide you in writing dialogue that has readers hanging on every word. So let's get right to it. Dialogue is vital and interesting in and of itself. Readers want and need to listen to your characters interact. Human speech, because it's inherently immediate, is one of the things readers devour eagerly when it's done right. Great dialogue is active, credible, and natural. Every line a character speaks expresses and is driven by the character's circumstances and emotional state. But there are three common missteps I see writers make over and over. Number one, in order to make dialogue sound natural, writers often mimic how a real-life conversation would go, and then they include everything the characters would say. So there's a lot of throat clearing, or there's a long preamble before they get to the heart of the conversation. Misstep number two, for the sake of creating conflict, which we're told good dialogue should have, every conversation is an argument or a fight. And that's boring. There's nothing original about that. Conflict, by the way, does not mean more bar fights or arguments or disagreements. I see far too many scenes where the characters are just arguing scene after scene after scene. 
That's not dramatic. It's manufactured conflict, and it results in flat, lifeless dialogue. And misstep number three, the characters are just too direct. They say exactly what they mean. So there's nothing for the reader to participate in or anticipate. It doesn't create tension or suspense. So number one, you should never aim to make story dialogue mimic real speech. If you were to record a real-life conversation in a coffee shop, let's say, between two or three people, you would hear repetitions, you'd hear these time-worn expressions and cliches, there would be stammers, hesitation, the conversation would redirect, it would wander, it would go off topic. You'd be hard-pressed to mine a typical conversation for a dramatic pattern. But your characters should speak more fluently than we do, and with much more economy. It should be charged by character motive and their emotional state in that scene. It's shaped and distilled to what's significant to the exchange between characters in this particular moment of the story. Great story dialogue is choreographed. It does multiple things at once. And if I had to sum up where most writers go wrong, it's having the dialogue do just one thing at once rather than multiple things at once. And that's because it usually serves just one purpose, to advance the plot. And when you use dialogue to just move the story forward, the dialogue sounds artificial and dull. So here are three questions to help you write riveting dialogue. Number one, character motive. What's your character's motive in this scene? Even in our day-to-day interactions, there is always some attempt to sway another person to think a certain way or persuade them to do something. So think of ways your character's are attempting to manipulate their friends, their lovers, their spouses, even their children. Not overtly, covertly. How do they hint at romantic interest or unavailability? How do they confess or conceal hopes and fears? How do they conceal resentment or express it indirectly? Here's an example from Tom Parada's novel, Little Children. In the novel and in the movie based on the novel, there's this great scene where the mom, a working mother, comes home after a long day at work. Her husband, Todd, is there. He's the stay-at-home dad, and he's taking care of their young son. And he's supposedly studying for his bar exam. Listen to this exchange. Mommy, Aaron gasped, ripping off his jester's cap and flinging it over his shoulder. You're back. My little boy, she said, dropping to one knee and holding her arms out wide like a poster of Jesus Todd remembered seeing in a Sunday school classroom many years before. I missed my sweeties so, 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 so much. Aaron sprinted across the floor into his mother's arms burying his face against her chest. She stroked his fine hair so tenderly 
that Todd had to look away. He found himself staring at the engine in his hand as if there were a personal message for him in Gordon's peevish expression. You've got some color, didn't you? Kathy shook her head unhappily as she examined Aaron's adoring face. Did Daddy forget the sunscreen again? Did Daddy forget the sunscreen again? That one piece of dialogue is loaded. So what's her motive here? She's not talking to her kid. She's talking to her husband indirectly. She's showing contempt. It's all in the subtext. What is she really saying? You're inept as a parent. I should stay home and take care of our son. You should be out supporting us. So she's motivated by resentment, maybe even jealousy, because she's out working and supporting the family and maybe even missing out on her young son's milestones. So she's alienating her husband in this scene. It's subtle. What's not being said is just as important as what is being said. So number one, character motive. What's your character really saying and why? Okay, on to question number two. What are your characters not saying? What are they afraid to say? What hard truth are they avoiding? This is a great way to create conflict. We're often instructed to create conflict and dialogue, but this often leads to artificial dialogue scenes where the characters bicker, disagree, fight, etc. So the conflict is strictly external. But what if your characters like each other? What if they're lovers, close friends? How can you create conflict without it being a fight, disagreement, or a showdown? Well, conflict can be external and internal. So think about how your characters dance around the meaning of what they say rather than say what they mean. Here's a great example from David Gates' story, The Wonders of the Invisible World. To set the stage, a man meets his married lover in a bar after she's called to say she has something kind of important to tell him. This has to be quick, she said. I'm officially at the movies with Mariana. All ears, I said. It's weird, she said. I feel more like a shit lying about that than actually, you know. Well, better safe than sorry. She looked down into her glass and said, yeah, right. So, I said. So, she said. She took a deep breath and let it out. So yours truly thinks she's pregnant. You're shitting me, I said. What do you mean you think? Well, from one thing, I'm like three weeks late, and I'm never late. Plus, I've been sick to my stomach for the last two mornings. I went out this afternoon and I bought one of those pregnancy things, you know, at the drugstore. Except, I'm too scared to use it. Unbelievable, I said. Really, she said. How could it have happened, though? If I knew that, she said, it wouldn't have happened. Obviously, I don't know. Some stupid thing, I'm sure. Well, look, I said, let's not panic. For one thing, you've been under a lot of stress, which can make people late. 
which could also upset your stomach. Anyway, even if anything was wrong, I don't think, as nearly as I can remember, I don't think you'd be feeling sick in the morning this early on, would you? She raised her eyes and gave me the look I deserved. My Jack Daniels arrived. I looked over at the rows and rows of bottles behind the bar, presumably doubled by a mirror. I looked back at Jane. She was looking down at her glass. I said, whose would it be? She shrugged. Up for grabs, she said. Have you told Jonathan? I'm a married woman, she said. Married women get pregnant. They have a baby, right? Yes, but when, I mean, that's what you do, right? But isn't this a tad more complicated, I said. She shook her head, still staring down. Not to my question, just no. Look, I said, first thing, you need to go to a doctor. Forget the kit thing. Until you actually see a doctor and actually find out something concrete, we don't even know what we're talking about. Now she looked at me. I know what we're talking about, she said. Okay. Think about what you know about this couple and their situation. Is she pregnant? Who's the father? My guess is yes, she is. And yes, it's the narrator's. I think they both know that, but they're afraid to say it. But look at how she skirts around the issue. I feel more like a shit lying about that than actually, you know. She doesn't say, I feel like more of a shit lying about going to the movies than actually us having an affair. She also says, so yours truly thinks she's pregnant. She doesn't say, I think I'm pregnant yours truly. This is a hard conversation for her to approach. She's distancing herself from her own situation and almost making light of it. And his question, whose would it be? He doesn't say, is it mine? No. Whose would it be? And notice how the narrator tries to explain the pregnancy away. You've been under a lot of stress, which can make people late, which could also upset your stomach. So there's external conflict. There's a probable pregnancy between adulterers. And there's internal conflict. They're avoiding the hard conversation. Notice how riveting this dialogue is. The tension comes from what they're not saying. There's text and subtext. So number two... What are your characters too afraid to say? Sometimes it helps to think of the things your characters won't say or don't want to say and then get at it obliquely. Okay, moving on to number three. What's the story in the dialogue? What's the story in the dialogue? What does each person in this scene want? What's holding them together or driving them apart? What brings these characters together in the same place at this particular time? In the David Gates example, what brings them together in the bar is this important thing the woman has to tell the narrator with whom she's having an adulterous affair. What drives them apart? Denial, particularly his, 
They dance around a potentially inflammable situation. They don't confront it head on. And this makes the dialogue riveting beat by beat. In the little children example, what brings them together is marriage. They have a son together. What's driving them apart? Resentment. She's the breadwinner. She's supporting her husband and her child. And she has this feeling that he can't take care of their kid as well as she would in the reverse scenario. In last week's episode, when we talked about character voice, we talked about the young adult novel Feed. Now, if you haven't listened yet, go back and listen to episode 146, How to Fine-Tune Character Voice. I'll link in the show notes. In the example I read from Feed, the narrator Titus and his high school friends are on the way to the moon, yes, the moon, for spring break. Now, Titus just wants to sleep. He has a hangover. His friends are horsing around and, in his words, doing rumpus on my armrest. That's what's driving them apart in the scene. That's the conflict. His friends want to have fun. Titus wants to sleep. Where are they? They're on their way to the moon. What brought them to the same place? What's keeping them together? They're high school friends going on spring break. Earth has been boring. Null, as they would put it. So they want to check out the Ricochet Lounge on the moon. So look for the story in the dialogue. Okay, let's wrap this up. The purpose of story dialogue is not to transcribe what a real-life conversation would sound like. Great dialogue takes out all the excess and distills it into its most vital parts. It does multiple things at once. Here are those three questions to help you write dialogue. Number one, what's your character's motive in this scene? What's your character's agenda? Number two, what are the characters afraid to say? What are they really saying underneath? And number three, what's the story in the dialogue? Dialogue is an event unto itself. So look for what each character wants out of the scene. What brings these characters together in this particular place at this particular time? What's driving them apart? Remember, it doesn't have to be a full-out argument or fight. It can be subtle or playful. So there you have it. Thanks for hanging out with me today. And if you know any writers who need some support in their writing, please share this episode or the Writer Unleashed podcast in general. And if you love what you're listening to, subscribe on your favorite listening platform and please leave me a review. Reading how this podcast impacts your writing truly lights me up and helps me create topics for the show. Till next time, keep writing and I'll talk to you soon.